Lori. Thanks, Pastor Fred. Awesome. Really a pleasure to be here uh, this evening, and uh, just really is an honor. I love your pastor. Great guy, isn't he? Yeah. Love this guy. Really, really do. And it has been fun to build a friendship, bro, over the last couple of years, and believe in God for more and more of that. And, and we love uh, the citywide church. We're all the same church. We're all the part of the body of Christ, and, and uh, we're, we're fam. Whether you like it or not, we are, so uh, might as well get used to it. We're going to spend eternity together. Anyhow, so listen, uh, how many of you guys know uh, Walmart's tagline? Walmart's tagline. Anybody know that? Save money, live better. Right, that's Walmart. Good, somebody's got it. All right, good, good, that's good. How about um, Cokes, Coca-Cola? It's the real thing. They've had a number over the years. Any others? Things go better with Coke? That's like way back there. That's wicked old. Sorry, I'm from Boston. We say wicked. It's wicked cool and wicked old. And yeah, Coke. What about McDonald's? What about some of McDonald's? Anybody know any taglines of McDonald's restaurant? You're loving it. Yeah, that's the most recent. Any others from way back? You're gaining weight. Yes, that was one of them. Yeah, you deserve a break today, right? That was one. Uh, did someone say McDonald's? That was one. These taglines, right? All these different companies have them. Wendy's has one. You guys know Wendy's tagline? They've saved it for their entire quality is our recipe. That's Wendy's. Good one. Anybody like a Wendy burger? Yeah, I know they're not that good for you, but anyways. What about City Life? What is City Life's tagline? I'm sorry? Heaven now, heaven forever. That sounds good, man. Well, I was on your website checking it out. I was checking you guys out, your, your website, and seeing what it is. At City Life, I saw this, Fred. At City Life, you will find our message to be encapsulated, a big word, encapsulated in one word, life. I like it. That's good. Life. We need the life of God, don't we? We need the life that his presence brings, his word well, how do we share this life? How do we share the life of God? And that's what I want to talk about. I want to submit this uh, word to you tonight. It's the title of my message is Sharing Life Through Connections. Sharing Life Through Connections. And I want to encourage us about this. And two things I want to do. I want to look at some biblical examples because it's always good to start there can't go wrong when you start in the Word. And so I want to look at some examples and then chat about a little bit, how can we do this thing? How can we connect with people? How can we share the life God gives us with the world around us? And obviously, you guys are doing this. It's not like you're not doing this at all. I know you're doing a tremendous job and just awesome to see and hear even this evening the, the ways you guys are out there sharing the life of God. But we can always get better, right? You know, the day we think we've arrived and we've got it all together, we're in trouble, right? So we always can learn. Man, I'm, I'm 32 years into this thing of walking with Jesus, and, and uh, it's been a while, but uh, there's much, 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 much more I have to learn and, and grow into and all of that. And, and so hopefully there's a, a thing or two you can pick up, take home, and, and uh, actually implement, maybe uh, pick up as a family, as an individual, a couple, uh, or whatever, 
Um, so let's look at a few scriptures. Let's look at a, a couple of examples. First one is Andrew the Apostle. He was the first one chosen by the Lord as recorded in the Gospel of John. Jesus came up to him and, and said, uh, come follow me. And uh, Andrew did. He was a fisherman. So Fred, there you go. You're doing some fish, fishing as you're good company with Andrew. And he was a fisherman. But what's the first thing that Andrew did after the Lord called him? What did he do? He went and got his brother, right? His brother Peter. He went and, and hunted him down and, and uh, said, man, you know what? I, I, think, I, I think I found uh, someone very, very special and I, I want you to meet him. And uh, it talks about it in John chapter 1, 40 to 42. It says, one of the two who heard uh, John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. First thing he did, he found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Amazing. And he brought him to Jesus. How do you like that? And he brought him to Jesus. This is what we want to be in the business of doing. Jesus Christ calls Andrew and says, man, come follow me. First thing he does, goes to find his brother and says, man, you know, you need to come, you need to come check this guy out. And he brought him to Jesus. He didn't just tell him about him, but he brought him to the Lord. And I grew up in a family of 12 kids. I was number nine coming down Chicago line. And uh, we didn't know Jesus at all. And and uh, I know when I came to Christ, one of the first things I wanted to do, I was down in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and I was lost as an Easter egg. I mean, I grew up in a family, it was trouble. I mean, 12 kids without Jesus is trouble. And, man, smoking dope when I was fourth, fifth grade, and my brothers fought. There was a lot of violence. My parents fought till blood flowed, and, and the police would come and knock on the door to pay us a visit from time to time. And it was always interesting to find out who they're going to drag off next. And so it was pretty wild. But I remember when I came to Christ at 19, <clears throat> radically came to the Lord. I had never read the Bible in my life, never prayed in my life. Losses all get out. A couple other soldiers shared Christ with me. The very first thing I wanted to do was call home. And, uh, man, I was so excited to tell my brothers and sisters about what God had done in my life. And I was probably a little overzealous and excited. And they said, what in the world? has happened to Chris. He went down south and got that religion. And uh, it was a little tough at the, at the beginning, but over time, saw, some God do, saw God do some mighty things. But this is what Andrew did. He found his brother, and, and uh, he said, man, he brought him to Jesus. And I want to encourage us that that's a part of our call. That those of us that know Christ, part of our call is to bring people around us to Jesus. And he had a connection. And through that connection, bam, the kingdom multiplied. And that's the, pretty much the crux of my message tonight is through connections, the kingdom of heaven advances. The kingdom of heaven moves. The kingdom of heaven grows. Things grow through connection. Things multiply. And so I believe there are people you are called, just like Andrew, to bring to Jesus. And I'm sure, again, some of you are doing this. Perhaps all of you are doing it. Hats off. That's tremendous. But I'm believing God to, for an, a deposit, uh, an evangelistic deposit, an outreach uh, heart to grip you at another level by the time we leave here tonight. That's my passion. 
I mean, Fred said, I'm prayer and evangelism. They're like peanut butter and jelly. I love them both. You put those two together, and it's powerful. Sometimes we can be people of prayer, and we're up seeking God, and that's good. But sometimes we need to get up off of that mountain and get down in the trenches and meet with people, connect with them, and, and bring them up to know him. And, and so I know my, my boss, who's the senior pastor of our church back in Fayetteville, North Carolina, we were sent up here from, and he said I was the strangest bird he'd ever met. He'd never met anybody that has such a passion for prayer and evangelism at the same time. I guess it's abnormal. So you're looking at an abnormal preacher dude guy. But anyways, that's what, that's what it's about. You know, when you get into his presence, you can't help but get a passion for people. A passion for the presence of God should birth a passion for people. You cannot get near his heart and not catch his heart for people. That God loves people. God loves that neighbor across the street. And I, I get broke up <clears throat> thinking about the people around my neighborhood. I live on Shasta Drive up there in Denby and and we uh, have seen God do some amazing things with our immediate neighbors. And, but there's still, I'm going to tell you a story in a little while. But it's crucial that we're catching his heart for people. The woman at the well, <clears throat> she did this as well. She met the Lord there at the well. And um, he read her mail, kind of told her life story without hearing it. And that was freaking her out a little bit. And so they chatting it up about the water and the well. And Jesus saying, man, I, I can give you some water that you don't have to come back to this well for. And it'll spring up. And on and on he went. And she said, man, I perceive you're a prophet. And he said, yeah, you betcha. And he says, uh, yeah, I'm more than that. I'm, I'm the Messiah that you're all waiting for. His disciples come back with lunch. Remember the story? This is out of John chapter 4. They come back from lunch and they're wondering, man, what in the world is the Lord doing talking with this woman? And we'll pick up the story there. John 4, 28. The woman then left her water pot and she went her way into the city and said to the men. It's kind of interesting. She knew all the men of the city. Remember, she had the four husbands and now she was with a guy that was not her husband. She had a little issue there. But said, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Isn't that amazing? Here's this woman. She's not even in the kingdom yet. And yet there's a connection he makes with her. And through that connection, she goes into the city and brings the men of the city out to meet the Lord. Check that out in verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came to him. Would they have gone out of the city and come to him if she hadn't had the connection with them? It is kind of funny to think she had this connection with all the men of the city. She knew all the guys. Isn't that wild? God can use even this woman who obviously was a very immoral woman, and yet God used her for a kingdom advance. I mean, it's a pretty, it's pretty incredible story. All the men of the city, they knew her, and she said, man, you need to come out and check this out. They come. God uses connections, and there's kingdom advancement through connections. Amazing. We could look at scripture after scripture. Here's another story. Cornelius, the centurion, skipping to the book of Acts. He was a devout, generous man of prayer, a man who feared God, and, and uh, he has this vision to go call Peter. Peter has a vision, and they meet, and 
he sends his servants to go get Peter. Peter comes to his town to chat it up with this guy. It was quite a step of faith for Peter to go into a centurion, an unbeliever, a Gentile's home. And yet God made it very clear, don't call anything, you know, unclean. I mean, I'm calling people from all nations, all peoples, and we need to get over some of those hurdles at times. And, but he goes and, and meets with them. And, and it's interesting, Cornelius, how does he get ready for the apostle Peter to come and make this visit? Does he vacuum the house? Wash the windows? What does he do? Does he get some flowers out there? Maybe he did some tidying up. But I tell you what they highlight in the word what he did is that the following day, Peter arrives in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. What had he done? He had called together his relatives and close friends. This guy was a wise leader. And he understood, as a military leader, the importance of these type of connections. And he knew God was doing something special. This man of God was going to come. And so rather just keeping it for himself, what did he do? gathers his family, gathers his friend, and through those connections, this kingdom opportunity just explodes. Cornelius was one guy. I don't know how many he had there that day, but I'm guessing 40, 50, 60 people. I mean, I don't know exactly what it was, but one-to-one versus one-to-sixty. What, what do you want? I mean, I know what Pastor Fred wants. He said, yeah, bring the sixty right? Let's grow this thing. Let's move. This is a kingdom opportunity, and I'm telling you, kingdom advancement happens through these connections. It's incredible. Over and over and over. This is what he did. He gathered them up. Cornelius goes on. He says, I sent for you immediately. It was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. He said, man, it's not just me. I brought my cousins. I brought my wife. I got my family, my kids, my neighbors, my friends. All of these people gathered, and through this connection, all of these, all these different households were impacted that day. Powerful, isn't it? It is a powerful, powerful thing. And I believe there are people, again, you know, that you need to bring here. I mean, I love this thing. What do you call that thing? The, the, the connect cards you do every week? Tremendous, bro. That is awesome. Every week out there trying to connect with people, inviting them in, come and experience the presence of God, come and experience the word of God. It's awesome. You guys are doing this thing. It's cool. Last example, then we'll get to some, some practical things. The Philippian jailer, another tremendous example, another amazing story in the book of Acts. Paul and Silas out there preaching the kingdom and sharing the gospel. They get into trouble. Next thing you know, they're getting beaten and they're thrown into prison in Philippi. And uh, it's an amazing story, isn't it? I mean, how many of us, after being beaten and thrown into prison without a trial, would be in that prison singing praises to God? Wow. Man, it's a, it's, these, guys are, these guys are the, the real thing. So Paul and Silas, they're in there singing to the Lord, earthquake, the whole prison is shaking, <clears throat> and the, uh, the guy, the Philippian jailer dude says, man alive, all these guys are, the chains fell off their hands and the doors busted open. He thought, oh man, these guys have, have fled, I'm going to be in trouble, he's about ready to take his life, 
Paul says, no, 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 it's okay, we're here. It's an incredible, incredible story. So he opens up and gives his life to Christ. It's, a, it's, it's powerful. Pick it up right there. He then brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. Isn't that awesome? And that word, I'm sure you've heard it in the Greek, is called oikos. It wasn't just his family. It was extended. It was friends. It was people he knew. And this Philippian jailer was just his life revolutionized, but it wasn't just him because he had these connections. And he heard this kingdom message and received Christ that night. He gathers his entire family to get in on it. And I just want to encourage us, that's how the kingdom advances. Through these connections, there's incredible opportunities all around us. And I want to get into some practical things that that uh, I am doing personally, and we're trying to do as a family. Uh, my wife and I, we have eight children ourselves, eight little ones. Well, they're not so little anymore. Matter of fact, they're getting so big. I can't beat up the older boys. They're just too strong. We wrestled for years and years and years until my oldest one got about 16. Started putting the beat down on me. I said, man, alive. I got to quit. I'm retired. <clears throat> but we've got five boys and three girls, and we're raising them up for God, and that's a whole nother message, but man, that multiplying thing happening right in our home, it's awesome. Two, now we're ten. Isn't that fun? People, I know I get around people, they say, you do know how that happens. I said, I do. And it's okay. I, I like it. It's good. <clears throat> so, so we got eight, man. Our oldest daughter got married. She's got her first one. We had our first grandchild, December 26, Isabella. She is the cutest baby in the world. Man, this, this grandparent thing is fun. I like it, man. It's, it's a whole lot easier than the parent thing. Anyhow, so, but we're training our kids in this. I mean, you know, we are here on Shasta Drive. We're here in this neighborhood to take this neighborhood for Christ, to win people for Christ. And uh, wherever you live, I believe God planted you there. He planted you on that cul-de-sac or he put you in that apartment. He put you wherever it is you live. I don't know where you live, but God put you there. And I hope you get up in the morning and think about this. is something we think about every day. Father, today there are opportunities for us to connect with our neighbors and with the people in our world for you. That there are strategies, there are ideas, there are things we can use to connect with people so that we can carry the gospel of Christ to the people around us. I mean, just think of it. Isn't it awesome? Don't you guys get up in the morning and think, think like this. You know, I will never, ever, ever see the inside of hell. Isn't that awesome? Jesus Christ came down and died for Chris Howard. It still breaks me up. Came and died for me. And he chose me, and he called me, and now I'm his kid. And I'm going to walk with him forever. 
and ever and ever and ever. And we'll be able to worship forever. We'll be able to serve him forever. We're going to labor, I believe, in that kingdom. It's going to be awesome. We'll have rule in that kingdom. We'll serve in that kingdom. But, you know, there'll be no lost people there. Our chance to reach for people and connect with them and reach them for Christ is only here and now. And that is done. So I'm like, Father, I want to be a part of winning as many people into your kingdom as I can. I mean, Jesus said it. There's a broad road that leads to destruction. And many are on that road. But my prayer every day is, God, I want to be a part of snatching people off of that road. I am snatching people off of that road that leads to destruction on into the kingdom of heaven. Forgiveness, peace with God, eternal life. Life eternally. It's awesome. It is so awesome. And we could go on and on and on talking about examples in Scripture. But, you know, there's something that come to my heart in recent months, and I've been meditating on this more and more. Nothing really multiplies without some measure of relationship. And to take a step for nothing... I mean, even, you know, physically uh, and with plants and animals, and we know as human beings, nothing multiplies without some measure of intimacy. And I think sometimes as believers, you know, it costs to connect with people, doesn't it? It takes time. It takes energy. You know, you get home from work and you just want to, you know, maybe get in front of the TV or whatever it is or whatever it is you do. And I know I golf. I like to golf. And and um, get out there on the golf course and relax, hang out, or, you know, you have hobbies. Nothing wrong with having hobbies. It's awesome. I mean, you need some time like that. But, but, uh, but you know, to, to get out and get off work and, and maybe do this or that, but to take some time and carve some time out to connect with people in our world, it does. It takes energy. I know I got eight kids, and we are certainly busy pastoring and doing this and doing that, but we've got to take time because nothing we can't multiply the life in us unless we connect with the people around us. So I want to talk about just some practical, practical directives in this area. And uh, just have some fun with this. Tell a few stories and, and we'll see what the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. Maybe we'll speak to you. Number one, work the fields God has you in. I believe, again, not only where you live, but where you work and where you play. Uh, those are mission fields and opportunities that are there to connect. And, and I know for my wife and I, Susie and I, and our kids, we belong to a, a neighborhood pool up in uh, Beachmont. Some of you may know it's way up there in, in, in uh, Denby. And, uh, man, I can't sit down, man. There's no way. I'll just keep moving. Um, sorry, Fred. I'm just a pacer guy. So anyways, we, uh, we got involved in this community pool about three years ago. And it's a black, it's an old pool, and there's always something that needs to be done around there. And so about three years ago, we, we jumped in, said, we jumped in. We jumped into the pool. All right, sorry. We jumped into the pool and got involved, and, and over, the, over the last couple of years, we got more and more involved. Next thing I know, I'm on the board. Last year, I was on the board and having these meetings every month, and there would be meetings after our staff meeting, after an entire day, and, and there it is, going back to, you know, sometimes it's just 
it, it, it can be tiring. It can be stretching to, to make these opportunities happen. But I got on the board last year, and at the end of the year, the guy who was the president and the vice president and this and that, they all stepped back and said, man, we are just slap war out, and we need some new people to take charge. And I was standing on the line. It was one of those things. Who wants to be the president of the pool next year? Everybody else steps back, and next thing you know, I'm front and center. So I'm the pool prez. Wow, man, strong, strong. I am the Beechwood pool prez. This makes me feel so special. Basically, it means I'm the chief slave of the Beechwood pool. That's me. So we not only have board meetings, we got diving boards that need to be fixed and weeds that need to get pulled out, this and that. And so it's just like in the local church, you just mobilize people and we're spreading it out, getting more and more people involved. But I'm telling you, through these relationships at the pool, we are having kingdom conversations daily. Daily. This pool is about a half mile from my house. And my three youngest boys, they're 12, 14, or 16, somewhere around there. And they get on their little bikes. <clears throat> no, I think he's 15, whatever. They're right around there. They get on their little bikes, and they're up to that pool every day, probably twice a day, hanging out, connecting with kids. But you know what they're doing? They're reaching them for Christ. They're dragging them. No, they're not dragging. They're bringing them to church on Sundays. They're bringing to our, we call our youth lit up. And they're bringing these kids out from the pool by the droves. And some of these kids have been baptized over this past year. Some of these kids have given their lives to Christ over this past year. And last summer, I was just telling Fred earlier before the service, this, I mean, this is just a little mission field. It's just a community pool. But at Grace Church this summer, we have five families and then all these other teenagers and kids. I don't even know who they are, all of them are. I mean, there's gobs of them. Five families that are part of Grace Church just simply through connecting with people around this pool. Backslidden out of church, didn't even know the Lord, that type. I mean, these type of people, unchurched people out there at the pool now worshiping God, serving him. We've baptized some of the adults as well. And uh, it's a mission field. And so I just want to encourage you, work the fields God has you in. I don't know what you do. I mean, even golfing, man. I get out on the golf course, and I'll purposely sometimes just go out there by myself because I know I'm going to have to golf with somebody. They're not going to let me out there by myself. So just the other day, matter of fact, met a guy out there on the golf course, and it's not like you get on the first tee box, hey, do you know Jesus? No, it's not like that. Not being like an idiot out there, obnoxious and whatever. But, you know, it's just talking life and whatever. But by the time those nine holes are done, I'd love to just share a little bit of my story, what God's done in my life, and encourage, you know, whatever. And uh, so whatever it is you do, wherever it is you work, wherever it is you live, uh, those are your mission fields. And I just want to encourage you, connect with those people there. Connect with them. Work the fields God has you in. Sound like a plan? That's not rocket science, right? I'm not all that smart, okay? Uh, but, you know, I am very practical. It's like, man, let's get out there and, and do some things practically to connect with people. Spend time with those not following Christ. I know sometimes as Christians, we can get so involved in the church, and I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't do that, 
I mean, I know these worship people, it's not like they just get up here on Saturday and they're ready to roll at 5 o'clock. I know there's practice and there's prayer and there's so much to be done. And you, those, are the, those folks that are back there ministering to the children and ministering the ushers and the greeters and the this and the that, and there's a lot to do, and, and that is all good and right. But sometimes we need, to, we need to work at carving out some time to spend with people that aren't following Christ. And I know one of the worst, some of the worst people uh, at doing this are pastors. And, um, you know, I mean, I know there are gobs and gobs of pastors on the peninsula. I'm quite sure I've talked to many of them that don't get any time with unbelievers. I'm saying, no way, that can't happen in my life. I'm just telling you, Fred, there's no way. We can't let that happen, bro. I mean, I make that happen somehow or other. And I've got this one friend and I'll tell you this story is awesome. I'm so excited right now. There's a neighbor of mine lives across the street, and we've been in this neighborhood for about four, four or five years, and he's a devout atheist, or he has been, and uh, he told me that pretty, uh, pretty soon after we met, and he found out I was a pastor, and it was like one of those things like, oh, I don't know, you're a pastor, dude, but I said, you know what, uh, Chuck, I said, Chuck, you know, as a pastor, <clears throat> sometimes uh, as a pastor, you know, you can get lonely. And a lot of times, pastors don't have a whole lot of friends and this and that. And, and uh, I was just sharing my heart. I said, Chuck, man, I'd love to be your friend. I'd love if we could hang out. And I was being truthful. I wanted to be his friend. I wanted to share with him and spend time with him. So we have lunch about every three weeks. Chuck and I have lunch. We've been having lunch for two, three years. And he's a very intelligent man, retired engineer, and uh, very smart. But we taught kingdom stuff. We don't talk about the weather and sports. Matter of fact, this guy's amazing. He uh, doesn't watch any sports, and he doesn't watch any movies or any of that. He says, I don't want to waste my time with that stuff. I have other things that I'd like to invest my time in. I mean, he loves tinkering with his boat, and he loves doing this and projects and building stuff, and he's a carpenter and whatever. And so he's been over to our house helping us with a number of projects over the last three or four years and can fix and build anything. So it's been cool, but... Over the, over the years, uh, over lunch, we have some tremendous conversations about eternity, God, the kingdom, and I'm telling you, God is going to save this man. I just had lunch with him Thursday, and I had one of the best kingdom conversations ever with my friend, Chuck, that is not a Christ follower yet. And um, we need to spend time with people like that. It takes time to connect with them, and it's an investment. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Number three, remember, you eventually need to share the gospel message. You know, I know you all know friendship evangelism, relational evangelism, that's great. But eventually, that relationship is like a bridge, and we need to carry something across that bridge, and that something is called the words of eternal life. That faith comes by what? Hearing hearing the Word of God, that people eventually need to hear the Word of God. And I know everybody loves that St. Francis of Assisi's, you know, preach the gospel when necessary, use words. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, there's some truth in that. I mean, we need to love and be gracious and kind and whatever, but eventually we've got to bring the Word of God. We've got to share the gospel story. There's a message, and the gospel is what? It's good news. And so we shouldn't be bashful about it or embarrassed about it. It's like, man, alive, Jesus Christ came and died for me. 
I have life eternal. I have this friendship with God. You can have it too. It's awesome. It's wicked awesome. Right? Isn't it? I mean, don't you like walking with him? Isn't it awesome to know him? Know his grace, know his power, working in your life, hearing his voice, and on and on and on and on. And so eventually we've got to share that message. We all have a household. Maybe it's your campus. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's where you hang out to have some fun. But remember, I, I really hope tonight, you'll remember these biblical ex examples that through connections we can read about it all over Scripture, the kingdom was advanced, and we can do likewise. The bottom line is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll finish with this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Anybody with me? Isn't that awesome? I love it. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Isn't that awesome? Ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message. Be reconciled to God. And I want you to look at your name and tell them you are a minister of reconciliation. You are an ambassador of Christ. Yes, you're a minister. You're an ambassador. Doesn't that make you feel special? You're a minister. It's not Fred. We're all ministers. You're a minister of reconciliation. You've been born into the kingdom of God. You've got this relationship with him. And you want to be out there imploring people, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that amazing? This is our call. We're called to be out there, ministers of reconciliation, connecting with people. And through that connection, we grow. Through that connection, the kingdom is advanced. Through those connections, we carry the gospel of Christ. And I just want to brag on one more person and get out of here, get off of this stage or floor, whatever it is I'm on up here. Is uh, My oldest son, his name is Christopher as well. Never wanted to have a kid named after myself and but he was second born and he was in the womb and that's what the holy spirit said you know he's a christopher i said okay fine yes sir you know you just you just do that so he's christopher david he's not a junior or anything but i just want to brag on him just for a minute as i, I as i close because he does such a tremendous job in this area of connecting with people he's uh, finished up at cnu now he's working on an mba at william and mary doing real well He's doing a part-time course. Uh, he takes two classes at a pot, so that keeps him busy. But then he's our church administrator, and then once a week he cuts grass. He's one of those landscape guys, works for a company, does that once a week. And then he paints houses on the side, and then he's helping lead our youth 
I mean, there's a team working together, but you put that all together, that's, that's a bunch of stuff. And yet, he's got that phone of his, I mean, 24-7, there's some tweet, or there's this, or there's a text, or there's a whatever, there's a Facebook in, there's pictures going out, and it's not just all that, you know, social network stuff. He's meeting with, with other kids and these teenagers from this pool. He's out there. I mean, just doing an incredible, incredible job at connecting with people. And uh, he blows me away because growing up, he was second born, and his, his sister, who's first born, she was like domineering, strong. You guys know a first born. I mean, she would do all the talking, and Christopher could hardly get a word in edgewise. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Abby would just talk over him all the time growing up. It's no wonder the boy can, you know, even has any type of self-image or whatever manliness because his sister just kind of dominated him growing up. But something clicked in his high school years, and now here he is, 23, 24 years old, and he's got a capacity to connect with people that is mind-boggling. It's incredible. And I just want to encourage you. I see a lot of young people here to use those avenues that are out there, to use them. And uh, he's, just, he's just doing a tremendous job, and uh, dozens and dozens of people, he cups, keeps up with them. I don't know how he does it, to be honest. I mean, my wife and I were like, Christopher, you know, how do you do this? But it's just a grace God's given to him, and, and he'll get tears when he starts thinking about these kids and, and their need for Christ and the ones he's reaching for that are not in the kingdom yet. And just caught that passion. And in closing, that's what it is. It's really, it's a mentality. It's a lifestyle that I trust that as we get up in the morning, we're catching the heart of God that tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, this week, even right now, I want to challenge you and encourage you to wake up, say, God, give me your heart for the people around me. And God, grace me to be an amazing connector with people in Jesus' name. I believe God will answer that prayer and he'll grace you to grow as you connect with the world around you. God bless you. Thanks. Hey, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. This is how I want us to close. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we worship. I'm excited about...